0: Happy Thanksgiving, Dukes. This is Todd coming to you from Thursday morning. This will be up on Thursday. And we recorded a good bit of this podcast earlier in the week, uh, but we've had some IT challenges this week and just thought we should be straight up about it. Um, We were really excited. We actually reached out to the Duke Club to be on the podcast uh, with us a few weeks ago uh, when we thought the Sunbelt was going to happen. And they were kind enough to join us this week. And we had Scooter Rinkin. We did a whole interview with him. on Monday, it was really great to talk to him about the new Duke's Rise campaign. Again, this was not the university trying to put us up to it; it was us reaching out to them. And then we screwed up the recording itself. So, anyways, you know, it's Thanksgiving week, and we've all been like rushing around and traveling, and haven't had a chance to try to re-record. And, and obviously, we just feel terrible because it's taking people's time away to do it. Um, but we still wanted to put this out because we it was a fun week to talk, and we wanted you to have something for this long weekend when there's a bye. Uh, we'll have lots of football talk again next week. But just a couple notes from our conversation uh, with Cliff and Scooter that we felt like we wanted to put at the beginning. Uh, we, you would have had 15 minutes before the main part of the pod. And now you're only getting a couple. Um, you guys probably all, a lot of you have seen or saw the Kurt Dudley video and the Duke's Rise campaign emails that went out this week. Incredibly, the most important part of this new campaign, as JMU gets ready to move to the Sunbelt, is about driving new donors. So the focus of the campaign are likely people that didn't receive those email or watch those videos or probably even listen to this pod. But we know that you all, like us, know a lot of those people <laughs> and we're the ones that can make this campaign a success. Uh, this one's kind of fun because they're not you know, looking for specific goals. We know they've had early success with the big donors and stuff like that, but they can't keep going back to the same well. And so this is kind of a fun one for idiots like us who are just fans and friends, you know, to, to help with. Uh, Rob and I said, we joked, we can't drive new donors. I mean, we can't drive big donors, but maybe we can help drive new donors. Uh, I know one thing Rob and I have talked about for a long time, and we'd love for you all to reach out to your networks is, we'd love to see uh, donors in all 50 states. There's a few blank spots on the map. And uh, you know, we, we know one state in particular, we're going to try to fill in uh, with a friend of ours this year. And we'd love to see that. Uh, and remember this campaign. Let's be honest; it's about getting people in the door. Uh, Scooter said, "You know, the minimum dollar for I think being like a Duke Club supporter and like getting a sticker and stuff is fifty bucks now, but even five dollars is goes a long way." Uh, the point is to get people in the door and then let let the pros take it from there. So we talked. We we had it was a lot funnier <laughs> having a conversation instead of listening to me, but wanted to do this anyways. Uh, one thing we were thinking is. ESPN plus is $6 a month and flow is $12 a month. So if everyone reduced that donation and gave that 72 back to the Duke club instead of stupid flow, that's an easy way to bump all this stuff up. Or, you know, I I think there are are more there. We know we saw the numbers this year. There are more flow. There were more flow subscribers than there were uh, Duke club donors. So there's people watching the Dukes who aren't donors and we'd love to you know, catch that group. Uh, the biggest thing about this campaign is the same thing the university has been preaching for years. The giving level across JMU, this is not athletics, not do Club, is 6% of alumni that give back. Um, and that's just a massively disappointing number for the university. As we know, our some of our, just to go around the state, right, 47% of William & Mary alums give back, 22% at Richmond, 17% at UVA, 14% at Tech. So those are kind of 22, 17, 14 for Richmond, UVA Tech. That's probably a, you know in the average donor range for a lot of big schools and JMU needs to get closer to that. Uh, the really sad part is Bridgewater College has 12% of their alumni to give back. That's double the JMU rate. So, you know, we don't want to say it with Scooter, but even if you're not Duke Club donating because you, you know, whatever your, your friend's issue is with athletics, they can give to the business school at, you know, we're we're agnostic on where it comes from. It's the overall number that this campaign is trying to, the Duke's Rise campaign is trying to drive up. So we just wanted to try to um, have a little note about that early and just highlight that. I think it's really important. All of us, you know, it's been a lot of us fans for a lot of years that have wanted this move and been looking forward to what it means. And, and a lot of us that claimed we were going to do a little more. And now's our chance. And then the final thing was personal, and it wasn't... um Related to the Duke Club, actually, but it is another thing to highlight. Uh, AJ Davis, most people know, was injured, you know, catastrophically injured in a accident about a year ago. Uh, Scooter, who was on the program with us, maybe again played on the Founding Fathers team last summer in the basketball tournament uh, that AJ was supposed to play in uh, right before, right after he was injured and obviously could not. And we just wanted to highlight. That it was great to see him and Devon Moore at the game last Friday against George Mason. It, his positivity, AJ's, is unbelievable and a real inspiration. And he's really close. There's an AJ Support Fund on GoFundMe. We'll try to put something in the show notes or on the site uh, early next week. And it they're really close to their initial goal, so they're like at almost fifty-five thousand out of sixty thousand uh, to help with his medical and living expenses and just really cool to see those guys being a part of the program, being around the program right now, and hear the story. I, I can't do it justice, but Scooter, who knows those guys well, you know, was just kind of sharing with us how important it is, and we just wanted to pass that along as well. So anyways, we wanted to say Happy Thanksgiving. We love you all. We are so, so thankful for all of you. It's hard to believe it is almost 2022. Uh, and we've been doing this since 2009 in some format, and many of you have allowed us to keep doing it. We we were joking this week because not having the Medea podcast the last couple of weeks has a uh, seen our numbers creep back up, and we imagine when we go to the Sun Belt, our numbers will go way down because there'll be much more professional people who don't have IT issues um, than we are doing this. But we love you all, and we really appreciate it. And. Just to hope you're being safe and having fun with your families and friends this long weekend, enjoying the bye like we are and ready to root like hell when the playoffs start next week against SELA or FAMU. So looking forward to seeing you all on Monday. Happy Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Welcome back to the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. Big thanks to Scooter um, and the Duke Club for making that happen. Um, I think that was a worthwhile use
1: of our time, Rob. Um, Yeah, that was awesome. It really is that simple. Just go to the website, sign up. Um, We were talking with Scooter before we even hit record, and he was saying it truly is not a thing about the dollars. I mean, dollars, obviously, that's important. But they're not putting a hard number on that or shooting for X million. They want to get as many of us as possible to step up and, and donate. So... Mm-hmm. Super easy. Go jamiedukeclub.com, make your donation, encourage your friends, make donations. And it would be really cool if we could see a big, big leap in that giving percentage, um, not just to the Duke club, but to the university overall. I, I would love it if we could get up to be a little more respectable with, with some state institutions.
0: Yeah, it was really surprising. That's always been surprising. And I know at one point I'd always heard it was 7%. And to hear that it's actually gone down yeah, was really like, oh, man. And, and because you're right. all I mean, the other numbers, I know we like the most say,
1: recommended university by alums, highest yes. satisfaction.
0: Like, who um, do you know? Right? Like, we all we know a lot of JMU people, and none of them are like, "Oh, that was a crappy place to go to school. Yeah. I hated it." Right? Like, like that's how sometimes how I feel about my law school experience. Mm-hmm. Um, not not because of any you know particular bad, bad grades happened. or just, no nothing yeah. like terrible. Just kind of like. It didn't feel, I don't know, it just felt so transactional that I didn't, I just don't have that, that kind of warm feeling for it. Um, so hey, it happens. Um, yeah. but yeah, it's a good way of saying it. Thanks to Scooter. Yeah, so Rob, where do you want to start football or basketball? Here, um, I guess we'll, start. I mean, let's, uh,
1: I love hoops, but let's, let's, let's start, power football th- let's, let's power through the football. Yeah, let's go, football. yeah,
0: so, um. JMU, as you wrote on Saturday, uh, the JMU Towson game became a JMU Towson game very quickly. It really did in in resounding fashion. Flashbacks, <laughs> yes. This this felt like uh, many a Towson game to wrap up seasons of old. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt like the perfect way to go out. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know where this is our our Mossy Creek four downs. Uh, we'll talk about Mossy at the end, but yeah, go ahead. Rob, you want to start us off with what your first thought was. <sighs>
1: It was the most yeah. complete game yes. they have played in a while. Um, and, and I will say this, it, I'm going to sound like a whiner here, but I thought there was a bit of a lull there uh, about midway through the first half where it was like, uh-oh, I think Towson scored. And yeah. it kind of like it looked like JMU was going to blow the doors off him yeah, with Van coming out and then the drive, the, you know, the red zone yeah. score. You're like, okay, it's on. This We're going to go out with a bang. And then things just kind of settled in a little bit. And yeah. I was like, oh, man, we, we don't need this. Not, you no. it can't be close. And then just like that, boom, they were off to the races, and it became a JMU Towson bloodbath. Um, yeah. I thought they just played as close to a full 60 minutes as I've seen them play. Mm-hmm. Um, Cole was outstanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just like the six touchdowns, obviously, the highlight. I thought the play calling was much better in the passing game. Mm-hmm. We, we don't need to talk about the running game. I'm sure that'll be another topic, but – the types of passes he was executing were so much better. I, I, for one, have been very concerned at the fact that it pretty much was all lateral passes and then over the top in the – couple weeks they were hitting crossing routes i yep. mean you show you, you go cover zero with with wells jr on that one touchdown it's just idiot yeah, i don't know who's calling the defense there which right, right, is right. crazy but like part of it was Probably they were I'm taking right. what the defense was giving them where maybe other teams weren't were taking away that middle of the field but i thought cole looked like he had some good zip on the ball he's hitting guys in stride mm-hmm. and they were tougher throws than he's had to make it wasn't the kind of check down and have a receiver make guy miss type thing. These were good hitting guys in stride on the run. Mm-hmm. It just, it was a more fun passing attack to watch mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, they did even mix in, you know, some jet sweeps and stuff like that in the running game, yeah. trying to get the ball <laughs> in people's hands. I know we, we yes. were know, not people talking that, but I just, I was really, really impressed uh-huh. with the passing game and with the defense uh, running game. Very much a work in progress, but all things considered, they, they had that little bit of the low, but then they all snapped to it and bounced back. So I, I came away really impressed, and I thought it was the perfect way to close the season.
0: I did too, and I, I have to say, I mean, I I don't know. We'll find out in a couple of weeks whether this was, you know, there was kind of two lays to look at this. One could be Towson was playing out the string. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think the only thing positive you could say about Towson is the I thought the uniforms looked pretty sharp. Yeah, they but, did. Uh, <laughs> but uh, besides that, like, you know, I guess we'll find out. But this certainly looked like some recent vintage, you know, post 2015 JMU teams that have hit that stride right when they need to. Mm -hmm. And there was a, I mean, obviously there was, there were a lot of reasons um, (laughs) to keep the hammer down in this game. Uh, Not the least of which was it was the last CAA regular season game ever. Um, You know, didn't ultimately one another was a. you know, potential comparative point with NDSU in the in the committee room, yeah, having had having, having had them to. play Towson earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, but regardless, I'm with you. All three phases. I mean, to special yeah. teams to come out and hit that, not just hit the first run back, but then hit another second one onto
1: midfield. Yeah, second one's good. Too, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, defense forcing turnovers left yep. and right in this game. I mean, guys making plays. Um, even a couple that where they didn't actually force the turnover, but they're breaking on the ball. Like they, they were sharp. They just look sharp. Didn't they, they just look sharp. That's what yeah. it was. Yeah. Other than that one touchdown that Towson had and that little, like you said, maybe two or three possessions there in the middle of the first half, but it got away quick. I mean, I, I don't have, what you can say Wells had three touchdowns. Yeah. Um, it, you know, Cole was incredible. I, I saw a stat you'll have to anyways, I, Everyone was good. I don't have a whole lot else on this game. I, I don't.
1: Was, I did, with Wells, I know yeah. I, I got ahead of myself and I was like, oh my gosh, this guy's going to break every record there is with this, the fact that he's, you know, had an extra year of eligibility with the spring. And I started thinking like big thoughts, like he's going to walk away being the all time yards leader. I looked up, friend of the pod, Delvin Joyce, still holds that record. He had over 5,600 total yards. Delvin? Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah that's, yeah, yeah. that's that's madness. It that's is. absolute madness when you think about that. Like, because you look individually, people are like, oh, you know, he had, you know, a thousand running. Well, that's good, not great. That's, but he also had a thousand receiving and returning mm-hmm. and punts. Like, that's insane to do that in yeah. a four-year career. Have I think like it's over fifty-six hundred yards, and a guy like Wells, who's as dynamic a player we've seen come around he's not going to touch that even with five seasons. Oh, no, I know. You know, it's just, it's some of these records jump out at you and you you look at the number and you're like, oh, okay, that's that's okay. But then you really examine it and you start to do it like, holy crap, man. That's, that's just, it's stunning.
0: Well, on the other end of that or the converse of that is Ethan Ratke who mm-hmm. um, actually didn't thankfully was not needed to kick field goals this weekend. Yeah. Um, Had seven extra, you know, seven more points, but I saw, you know, he had gone over 500 points and I didn't really have a sense of like what that meant. And then over the weekend, you know, this, we are coming down the stretch of, you know, both the season and the career for, you know, every team across the country. And uh, I saw a number of schools tweeting about their kickers. Like, breaking the all-time school record of, like, and it was like 315 points or something. Yeah. Yeah, like, and I was like, holy crap. Like, yes. you know, like we're in the 500-plus territory. This is unbelievable. Part of yeah.
1: that, he's just so reliable in extra points, uh-huh. which is yes. not something that you see nowadays at college or pro level. Nope. And he's had the benefit of being with some really, really good offenses. And then mm-hmm. he's also had situations where he's been on a team that's kind of struggled in the red zone. He stepped up. But, I, I mean. He's just remarkably consistent.
0: Yes, I, the one I have to give him a little bit of a pass. So I, I was in, the, you know, in the stadium, um, obviously this weekend, and, and the one that he missed. I mean, that was like a vintage, Shen, you know, Shendo Valley wind that kicked yeah. up right as he hit. I mean, I, it wasn't a good kick, regardless, but that yeah. was like brutal, like the way it came in over the plecker yeah. on that one. Um, the stat I was looking for, and credit to JMU Sports News uh, on Twitter for that. This was Cole Johnson's last four games of this season. Rob, mm-hmm. you saw this, but sixty-nine percent completion percentage, three hundred and sixteen yards per game, nineteen touchdowns, zero interceptions. Um, yeah, and, and I, mean, I
1: think he's, I think he's leading the conference in yards per attempt as well, which well, it typically, typically has to be. Everything
0: is everything seems like it just yeah <laughs> yeah, but
1: typically you don't see that. It, it, you can often be suspect if you see somebody with a completion percentage hovering around 70 or greater Mm -hmm. that often means they're just dumping it off or throwing a bunch of screens. That's not the case. Like he's mixing it up and um, yeah, it's, it's weird because as good as he's been and statistically this is probably the greatest season of a Jamie quarterback or or top five. But I still feel like a significant portion of the fan base is like, he's still got to prove it. He's still got to prove it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It's hard, right? Cause I just, you're, you're, you're up against legends that, didn't play the game the way Cole plays the game. Yeah. Right? VAD and Rodney Landers are both like these massive highlight reel plays with their feet, mm-hmm. you know, like every game. And you just, you know, Cole's not going to jump off the screen like that. I mean, it's
1: just not he's the same. Like, I mean this as a big compliment. He's the Ethan Ratke of quarterbacks. Yes. Yeah. He just, he's just <laughs> consistent and just executes and makes the plays he's asked to make. Yeah. And then at the end of the game, you're like, wait, he threw what? Five, six, right, you know, it's, right, yeah, yeah. It, it's just crazy, and it, it, that's a credit to him. Like he just goes about his business, and even when he's having these all-time great games, mm-hmm. everybody's like, "Yeah, you know, he's he's doing a good job managing the game." It's just like he doesn't draw a lot of attention to himself. It's just the style yeah. that he plays. He takes what's there, he makes the throws he needs to make, and at the end of the day, you're like, "Oh, well, that was the greatest passing day in Jamie football history."
0: You know, like, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's yeah. just.
1: It's really funny. Like, I think people are obviously huge fans of the guy. But you don't have that, like, signature play. It's just him going out there and continuing to be – it's like Ratke or Cal Ripken type thing. Just go out there and do your thing. And then you look back and you're like, holy crap, look at this touchdown-interception ratio. Um,
0: It's also a sign of how spoiled we've gotten in the last six, seven years. Right? Just the whole idea. I mean – If you told us in 2015, when Houston first came in at that, you know, when we went to SMU for week one or whatever it was, if you told us like, you're going to have a season where you're 10 and one and only one game was less than a two score outcome. Yeah. Like you're thinking like, wow, that's like, you know, that's a top three JMU season of all time. Yeah. You know, like that's really, and and now we've had six in a row. (laughs) Of those. Mm-hmm. I mean it just it, yeah, it's really I mean we joke about blowing Towson out, but it wasn't always like this. And maybe against Towson it was, but not throughout the season like this. You know, it's just so when I really sat down with the bracket a little bit this this weekend, I was like, Man, these other teams, like I don't know. Like, I don't know. JMU's right there with anybody. I mean they you know, when you actually start really breaking down their record, we know what the warts are. Because we watch them so closely and yeah. we're so tough on him. but man,
1: well, um, there's this perception that Jamie just had a cream puff schedule, and the numbers don't back don't that up. They beat a lot no. of teams with winning records, and now these teams beat each other up to knock themselves out of the playoffs. And that, as the dumb argument goes, is just oh, the CA had a down year. Mm-hmm. Missouri Valley does the same thing, and it's just like no, they're so tough, and so it's it's crazy. Like you know, yeah. it, we don't want to admit it but Richmond was a good football team this year. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not in the playoffs because they had some down weeks and everything, but they weren't a pushover. Mm-mm. William and Mary had some serious struggles in the passing game, but they had a defense that's better than a lot of the playoff defenses. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, there's good teams in there, yep. Delaware, you know, up and down. But again, they had their moments, Rhode Island, like yep. these are tough outs. It's not just a bunch of you know, walkovers that people are like it is. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. Jamie. certainly can can trade punches with anybody. And I think the passing game is going to be tough for anybody to stop. Um, I don't know. It's just I, I'm optimistic. But part of it is like the 10-1, and one, it, it's tough because we all expect that now. Yep. And so it's just taken for granted. Like, And part of this is, is why I'm not sad about giving up the playoffs. I know a lot of fans are like, oh, I can't give yep. up the playoffs. I don't like how everything is judged. By the playoffs to the point mm-hmm. where you completely discount the the accomplishments that that teams have in the regular season, ten mm-hmm. and one should be celebrated no matter what happens from here on out. Yeah, but and, given and, the nature of the playoffs, we know that's not the reality of it. No, I mean I think, you and I, I think, argued between ten and one and eleven and
0: zero. Yeah, you picked ten and one, and I picked eleven and zero in our preseason predictions. Yes, and we, neither of us really considered going the other way, like down to no. nine and two. Like you know, like no. yeah, that was our discussion point earlier mm-hmm. on and that's where we are and we did and we now I will say I'm excited about the playoffs and I'm excited because I you know I think coming into the season we worried this was a three-team race and it is very much not a three-team race no, I there's, feel like it's I think it's know, as eight, open as 10 it's deep yeah, yeah. I, I certainly would any of the top eight seeds I think or at least maybe seven of them I would not be shocked if any of those seven I, I don't and we'll have to see what uh, anyways, any of the top 8 seeds who have a big advantage by not having to play this weekend um would not shock me. And there are a couple of teams that are playing this weekend that I would not in any way be surprised to see, you know, be one of the seeds, yeah, yeah, and make a run. Um whether they, you know, haven't really seen anyone go 5 for 5 um since the playoffs expanded. But mm-hmm. we'll we'll see what happens. Um I don't have a lot else from the game. I thought the defense was really solid. I was really, you know, Azanima looked fully healthy. Um, just a lot. They, it was so great to just see them. I felt like there were some guys that had been banged up that looked good this weekend. Yeah. I don't know if that's Towson or what it is. Um, but, you know, Q Reed was back out there. Hampton was seemed to be at full speed. Um, Azanama seemed to be at full speed. You know, I, the, all of that was just really... Um, encouraging going forward. And
1: I was surprised because as Signetti mentioned in the post game presser, like they had a lot of guys battling the flu last week. They did. And and like we mentioned earlier, they looked really sharp. They seemed to have greater energy. I was Mm -hmm. expecting to have, you know, key players just completely out or your stories about people needing IVs at the locker room. Yeah. It didn't look like a team coming off the flu.
0: No. And hopefully, you know, everyone can do what they need to do and take care of themselves. You know, they get the buy now. So you know they really should be you know hopefully I mean obviously you know everything gets who knows right it's mm-hmm. Thanksgiving and stuff I don't know what the team's plans are but um they they could be as healthy as they've been all of the 2021 calendar year mm-hmm. when the playoffs open in two weeks is what i I couldn't help but think because obviously they had some really devastating you know preseason injuries in the spring season yeah. Isaac Gukui, Liam Fornadel, you know some guys who like really were counting on and weren't then weren't available. Um, This team could be ready. I hope. (laughs) I really hope. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I'm sure the uh, sure the transfer portal is wide open um, for a team that is transitioning next year. Uh, So you know, hopefully they can fend off uh, people on the outside. But I don't have anything else from Towson. You, Rob? No, just good game, and
1: it was was nice to go out with a win.
0: For sure, um, okay. So on that note, we'll we'll go into the bracket just a little bit. Uh, we'll have time, obviously, next week to break down a particular opponent. I was disappointed. I know you were too, Rob. That r- both Rhodey and William and Mary um, choked this weekend, and uh, you know the CA was. I don't, I don't. I don't know. We'll find out soon enough, but I don't think it was particularly unfair. I mean the way it went down, the way it all went down. Right. I mean, both, no. you know, JMU got the three seed Villanova got the five seed. Um, so first on the back end, you know, Rhode Island and William and Mary had a chance to win their way in and they didn't do it.
1: They got nobody. You know, you it, can so.
0: argue at the bubble, but they, if either one of those teams had won, I've now a hundred percent sure they would have made it Yeah. over, you know, Northern Iowa or FAMU or somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and they didn't do it. So that's what happens. Um, a lot of JMU fans are really upset about getting the three seed instead of the two. I think you and I had we were pretty clear. They we got just the wanted three to be in the 5 four. I'm glad we didn't get the five. Yeah, yeah me I mean, too. if you're Villanova and you're sitting at the five and saying we beat the three, yeah, you know, I, you know, um, I'm not defending Villanova's case. They lost another game. Um, well, they lost two others, but one of them was an FPS game. But
1: yeah, lost to William and Mary.
0: Yeah. You know, the frustrating thing, obviously, was that the rankings led a lot of JMU fans, particularly of the um, Facebook group variety, to believe that JMU was entitled to the number two. Then, Kurt that he went on the press conference after the game and said he thought they should get the number two. Mm-hmm. And then people were really upset. I don't know. I mean, to me, Sam Houston was the clear number one. They had done nothing to give up the number one off the championship and going undefeated, even though they probably have the weakest schedule of anyone mm-hmm. in the, you know, in the tournament almost, or at least in the seeds. Um, and then you had NDSU, JMU, Sac State, Montana, Villanova. I mean, you had all these teams that were kind of a little bit of a crapshoot, shoot, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't really, I don't know how to distinguish between all of those teams. NDSU had the same record as JMU. They lost to a playoff team. JMU lost to a higher ranked playoff team, but like, I don't know. Um, You know, Sac State got the four seed over Villanova. I think that was really a hat tip to the strength of or perceived strength of the big sky, not necessarily like a knock on Villanova or something. Yeah. So um, I don't know. I'm really excited. I have to say, Rob, for obviously the thing that everybody jumped ahead and looked at is the Possible Fargo Dome trip, you know, three or four weeks down the road uh, in the semis. First of all, that would be very similar to the 2016 run. Yeah. But I'm kind of excited about these first two matchups. I don't know about you, Rob. I mean, was it first of all,
1: FAMU Southeast Louisiana? Yeah. Owner? So, first,
0: or? the first game, um, we know they got the Saturday 2 p.m. kickoff on December 4th, which is nice to not have the Friday, December 3rd game. Mm-hmm. um so a very like doable game for lots of people and two they're going to play a brand new team a team we've never seen in the playoffs yeah i'm not sure if we've ever seen either of these teams in general yeah um fam out of the MIAC had a kind of everything had to break their way and it did for them to get in we kind of know how that works um with them sending their teams to their the conference winning team goes to the Celebration, Celebration Bowl. And so you have to kind of get lucky. We've seen this once before in 2016. North Carolina and t made the field um, out of the MEAC, Um, And now we have FAMU. That's a fairly exciting team to play if that works out. And then we have the really high-flying, like, unique offense. Mm-hmm. Southeast Louisiana team who beat Villanova in the playoffs last year. Yeah. Um, down there uh, with another one of the, you know, Peyton award finalist quarterbacks like Cole. So I, I don't know. I'm just excited. I think either one of those is a fun matchup. I'm so glad we're not seeing like Monmouth or New Hampshire or the same old crap we always do from the Northeast, right? Yeah. Secret the heart. Or or yeah, yeah. Or just another CAA team. This is going to be yeah. fun. We're going to play somebody from far away that we haven't played. <laughs> yeah. So that's good. And if JMU can win that game, they're probably going to get Montana. And I think you and I talked about this. Montana got the sixth seed. I mean, I guess maybe young fans need to remember this, but if that happens to be the last ever game at Bridgeforth, a uh, home game in the FCS, the FCS era. FCS game, yeah. In the FCS era, yeah. That will be an opportunity to avenge the most painful game you and I have ever experienced at Bridgeforth. Yeah. Right? So the 08 semifinal loss to Montana.
1: Um, when Rodney got hurt it
0: bugs me there are are days that bugs me like random days in May you know like that game still sneaks up on me sometimes so
1: well the way it went down I mean they very good team they were they'd had everything go right that year had miracle finishes and then Landers got hurt and came out after halftime and I don't think was even in pads and I wish I just assumed I don't know they'd have some sort of Mr. Miyagi stuff in in halftime and he'd be fine but then Dudzik came in and Dudzik remember he had that helicopter played really spinning well. yeah, yeah played very well he had that touchdown i think he ended up not you Free know like reply. the inside spread in sports illustrated back when that used to yeah. be a thing like to, i think oh, he yeah, ended yeah, up yeah. there that the like helicopter yeah. touchdown mm-hmm. um and then it just they fell short but and then the worst part was richmond went on to win it that year so um that was just devastating that one still hurts me so it would be nice to avenge that it yeah, would be there. really great
0: yeah
1: they'd have to win a big game to get there
0: yeah so potentially you're looking at a fun, challenging first round matchup yeah. um, or second round for Jamie. I mean, second round conceivably, uh, possibly Montana, possibly NDSU. And if you get all the way, maybe Sam again or maybe Villanova. Yeah. Right. I mean, if you're going to go out, that's a pretty good way to do it. If, mm-hmm. if, that, if that has to be your last run. Um I would note, I think we should note. I mean, I'm trying to see what is a riveting podcasting here. Um, no, Montana plays the winner of, oh, Montana plays the winner of you and I at Eastern Washington. So by no means is it a given that Montana, Montana comes Montana. here, yeah. right? I mean, if Eastern Washington comes here, also an awesome game, you know? Uh-huh. Um, to be honest, I'll kind of be rooting for Montana. I'd really rather <laughs> just given some of our. Pass defense. I, I'd like to see running teams keep coming and trying to. Yeah. Pass, you <laughs> know, um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, so, I mean, that side of the bracket is something else. I mean, JMU, Cole Johnson, Eric Barrier, and a kid from Southeast Louisiana, um, some great quarterbacks in this little quadrant of the bracket.
1: Yeah, secondary is um, going to need to step up.
0: Yeah, the other side, NDSU, I don't know. You know, arguably they got the weakest potential quarterfinal matchup with ETSU out of the SoCon drawing the seven seed. I don't know that that's the case. I feel like the SoCon's been a little stronger than people have. I think it's been a little undervalued. Yeah, a little undervalued, maybe in the spring and now in some Mm -hmm. ways. Um, And I think that ETSU team is for real, you know, Kennesaw and Davidson are in that little quadrant, kind of annoying teams as well. So you know, and and NDsu they're going to have to play SIU or South Dakota in their first game, and mm-hmm. SIU kind of kicked their ass in the spring.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like so, I, you know, like let's not all get ahead of ourselves just yet about like how this is going to work out. You know, like let's let it play out a little bit. Yeah. You know, because I, I I don't think NDsu is looking ahead to the JMU game when you know those. Two conference teams for them um, are potentially coming there. Yeah. Uh, before then, so I, you know, that.
1: Uh, Sam Houston. Nor got should JMU You be looking ahead. No, not you at know, all. That, like, this is it's the playoffs. Things happen, like you mentioned, Southeast Louisiana. You know, put a beat down on Villanova last year. Everybody thought Villanova was first of all. Everybody thought Villanova got screwed and having to go down there. But oh, they'll still win and they'll prove it to everybody. It didn't play out that way. No, I was actually the one thing that occurred to me just looking at the bracket is. Okay,
0: I thought Villanova. No offense to Holy Cross, Rob, but I did think Villanova and ETSU, weirdly enough, as the five and seven seeds, I mean, they probably have the games. best first yeah, game set up. Um, but interestingly, I'm not sure that I like heavily favor any of the other seeds.
1: Mm-mm.
0: You know, JMU against a CELA team that throws it all over the place against our secondary is not a guarantee. That's, that's not a gimme. Montana taking on either you and I or Eastern Washington. Neither of those are a gimme. Mm-hmm. We talked about SIU, NDSU, potentially. Um, Steven F. Austin, who lost by one to Sam in the regular season, potentially going to Sam again. Like, just that's the Battle of the Piney Woods rivalry. Mm -hmm. Um, Missouri State, UT Martin winner goes to Montana State. We know Missouri State, you know, that's a strong team. And then UC Davis, SDSU. I mean, talk about a brutal first-round game. Davis going to Brookings and the winner goes to Sac State. I Mm -hmm. don't... I think Sac State. I'm not sure Sac State's going to be favored against either one of those teams. So I, you know, I, like I, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I just I think um to be an interesting year, and whoever wins it is going to earn it in this setup for sure. And uh, and I'm just excited about the way this worked out, for JMU. I think yeah. we should. The last thing I for me is just JMU two o'clock on December 4th is already locked in. I just looking at the bracket, it does. I would be surprised if JMU does not get, if they win that game, I would be surprised if they do not get the noon Saturday game on December 11th. Only because the other sites, none of them are in the Eastern time zone. I don't think or very few of them um, in the quarterfinals. And there's only one Saturday game. The other three are on Friday night that week. Hmm. So we'll see. I mean, there could be upsets, and then there could be more East coast sites, but The noon Saturday slot on December 11th, there aren't a lot. That's Army-Navy Day, I think. There isn't much else going on. So, like, I don't know. I think they're going to want to go to a marquee site. I think it might be JMU. So, we'll see. Um, Beyond that, I don't really have – we can cover this more next week, but – Yeah, we have time.
1: Okay, We'll see who they're actually playing next week.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's going to be really fun. Oh, that game this weekend is at 7 o'clock. That's the last game of the day. Um, in the first round is the Fam famu game is the last game of the day. Um, one thing that would be really cool, if FAMU wins, you think we would get their band to come to Bridgeforth? I don't know. Uh, I can don't we know. get two bands? Like at Bridgeforth, that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. That would um, be cool. That would be cool. Um, yeah, we'll be rooting for FAMU uh, mainly because they want to run the ball more. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's <laughs> the general more theme. Than pure football, not actually band or anything else. Yeah. yeah. So, anyways, we'll see. Yeah. Um, we're not mad, right, Rob? We're just not mad about this three seed.
1: No, much, um, it's right? what it's what we both expected. I, I was happy it was three. Like you said, it could have been the five. And even that, JMU Twitter would have gone nuts, but there would have been a logic to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fine. We wanted one of the top four. Got one of the top four. Coming out of that loss of Villanova, uh, I think there were a lot of people who were worried about a top eight seed. And then a lot of things went JMU's way. And we said, okay, now they're in the driver's seat to hang on to a top four seed. That's really all you want. Going to the playoffs, everything it was just kind of semantics. It's what they got. So I, I got no beef with this. I would have preferred to have had the opportunity to play a semifinal game at home. But I don't, for once, I don't feel like you got jobbed by the committee.
0: No, I, I didn't really either. There were people like yeah. saying, like, oh, they're mad at us for leaving FCS. I, no, I didn't feel not. like that was the case. No. I, Sam I Houston's know. number one. Right. Yeah, they're too. I mean, if NDSU had gotten number three and we got number two, their fans would be yelling the same way we are. So, yeah. I, I, you know, Some, it, nobody was, this wasn't going to be perfect. It's not perfect. Yeah. No, nobody was undefeated except for Sam Houston. So mm-hmm. like, what, I, you know, what do you want to do? Yeah. A um, couple extra notes from college football, Rob. I thought I would just, just mention two things. Um, one, congrats to Mike Houston and the ECU Pirates. Uh, bowl eligible. I was. I think you and I were, but we've talked off air um, a little bit this season. We were very concerned coming into this season that the seat was getting rather warm for Coach Houston down there. Yeah. Um, I think we've mentioned that in passing at times. Um, You know, good. I'm glad. You know, Brian Shores on that staff. You know, we know some of the people on that staff. Like, I'm I'm happy for them, and um, you know, glad to see them moving in a positive direction and certainly being given a little bit more they're going to have a little more leeway with that fan base next year um, to show that they're really, you know, got some proof of concept going. Yep. Yeah. So good for them. And then the same thing. I've been, I've been happy to see Juwan Hamilton having a little success up at Eastern Michigan as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of Jamie fans have been kind of, eh, we, could, we wish we, when we've had all these running back injuries, I, you can't predict that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of felt like it was a good luck, you know, thank you and good luck situation. Like if you want to go put some stuff on film, good for you. Um, we had lots of guys coming back that were younger and faster maybe mm. or whatever. I don't know. Maybe not faster, but you know um, who knows? I just, in general, I am feeling very, I guess I'm just feeling positive towards everybody this week and you know, yeah, um, no reason just, not to be, no, no reason not to be. Um, so good luck to both of them as they close their seasons. Uh I don't have much else, Rob. Um, you got any overtime suggestions tonight? I don't. We want to do. I one thing I want to point out to everyone is that go if you haven't, go on Twitter today. That was really fun today. Rob to see Was it the Fun Belt podcast people that put that question out or No, no it was the oh Keith the Gill burner account.
1: Clear? Yeah, that was Keith yeah. Gill burner. That was fun. And I, I forget the exact wording, but it was something along the lines of like, "Hey, if you're a college fan, who's the the college athlete from your school who means the most to you is your favorite, not the best, but who means the most to you. And we just retweeted it to see what people do. A lot of Rodney Landers.
0: Yeah. And I think that probably. So I, I don't know. You and I have our own. This well, is such a fun Landers. topic for,
1: for me. Yeah, but Landers
0: is. Yeah. So but I could Jimmy, have gone with
1: Lazat. I could have gone with Stefan Robertson. Jimmy. I could Morland, have gone Jimmy. Moreland, yeah. Um, Daquan. Scott. Bryant
0: yeah. yeah. um, And then
1: Odyssey. Dean Marlowe, right? another one.
0: I mean, Odyssey, Megan Good. Yeah. Haley, Haley Warden. Like there were yeah. Elena Rovensburg. Like I'm like, there were a lot of good choices out there. Nikki. Mm-hmm. But, and then, and then I get personal about it. Cause I'm like, Nikki Newman is like our friend. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, and then for me personally, like my roommate started at quarterback for three years. And yeah, he's one of totally. my best friends from growing up. Greg yeah. Maddox, he's like, Definitely my favorite JMU player ever. Like, undoubtedly my favorite player. I don't know that he was my favorite player to watch. And I don't mind if he, you know, (laughs) Greg Greg would probably agree with me, right? Um, Macy Brooks, for me. Mm -hmm. I remember when we got to, when I got to JMU, Macy was in the kind of height. I think he was probably a junior. He
1: was junior. He was, yeah, he was my year.
0: Your year, right? And I remember like entertaining thoughts of playing college athletics and then Mm -hmm. getting to JMU and
1: meeting macy seeing the guy in your seeing position him play football and basketball and being <laughs> like and baseball football i'm baseball. not a college yeah.
0: athlete right <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like I, this is not where i belong here yeah. right yeah i mean I, karen zarchin are another friend of the pod like mm-hmm. pl- you know field hockey all american national champion and then just just picks up a lacrosse goalie stick and makes the team Yep, like you know <laughs> Like, like, oh, okay. Like, what, are, what are we doing here? You know, like, yeah. I don't. This is not, no wonder I'm not playing here. Um, yeah. So th- that was a really fun question, though. I mean, we saw votes from Molly Daugherty, uh There were some basketball guys that I didn't even totally know, right? I mean,
1: I'm I curious. think David Fanning. David got, Fanning got was love, in there. Was yeah, good. Pierre yeah. Curtis, who had who was kind of bridged the gap between. Keener and Brady, I think his senior year he played with, with yeah. that team like Julius Wells. And well, I was going to say Philly Julius Wells would have gotten Julius the vote Wells. from
0: one of our friends. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yes, he like, got some votes. Um,
1: yeah. I'm, I'm surprised we didn't get more for Lou Rowe, honestly.
0: Yeah, I wonder. I mean, we didn't have a lot of older in, you know, the, the voting skews younger. Um, mm-hmm. I hope that that's not, I hope that doesn't last forever, too. I hope that's not just entirely a reflection of our recent feelings on the coach row coach row era, yeah. as opposed to our love for Lou Rowe, the player and Lou Rowe, the person, yeah. you
1: know? Yeah. Awesome. That, just talks about how long ago it was. People act like, that was recent success. You
0: know? Well, no, I was like, I thought we saw one for Steve hood and one
1: for David DuPont. And I was like,
0: man, I don't know. Nobody else is going to know what this is. Yeah, that, you know, like, and that's... I'm like, Oh,
1: Golden age is, is a long time ago. Yeah, like Rob's in here with a Carol fate
0: vote, you know.
1: Yeah, like, exactly. you know, like, yeah, yeah like,
0: like, no, but that was just a fun question and worth, um, maybe we'll come back to it in the summer. Mm-hmm. I, I liked um, the Coach Signetti, you know, fake Coach Signetti account, like trying to parse it into sports so they could get, you know, six so and get seven. more people in. Yeah, yeah well, I, I was yeah. glad to see there was a lot of Kirby Brickholder. Yeah. Um, too, which is another one that's like probably a great answer to that question.
1: There were some Don Evans, too.
0: Yeah, yeah, just like maybe not the best player ever, but your favorite as a fan. Yeah. Or if you were a member of the pep band in the 2011-2012 era, you're going to always remember that. Yeah. You know, like, like that, those teams. So, yeah, that was a fun topic. Nothing else from me, Rob. We'll talk next week uh, after Thanksgiving, I think.
1: And we'll, um, we'll be looking forward to the Duke's uh, first playoff op- opponent.
0: Yeah, we can we can avoid watching the Washington football team next Monday night by podcasting.
1: Well this and, is helping me avoid the Giants. So okay, excellent that good.
0: And then the only other thing is I will um, a nerd thing at the very end here Rob. Um, I, I did very much enjoy On your wheel three, of time. The first three episodes of the wheel. I was really nervous after the first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, it was rough for book readers um, for, the, for the major changes. But it it got much, much better in the second and third, and everyone should go watch Wheel of Time. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah, yeah, I'll give it a All shot. Right. All right. Thanks, Rob. I'll All talk right. Have a good week. week. Go Dukes.
1: in my life, something real something that feels true you better believe real